Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, the team makes several roster moves on Tuesday, plus they released their first of three injury reports. Also, the opponents for the 2022 season are now known. We'll talk about that. And Josh Jacobs, the last four games of the 2021 season, what he's been able to do, and your calls and texts to close out the show. All that's coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast for Wednesday, January 12, 2022. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Just Raiders. Win. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Just win. Your team Just every win. day. Just win. And welcome in Raider Nation to today's episode of the Locked On Raiders Podcast. Thank you so much for making the Locked On Raiders Podcast your first listen each and every day. Remember, you can find the show free and available on all platforms. And the Raiders made a lot of roster moves as of Tuesday as they're preparing for Saturday's playoff game against the Cincinnati Bengals. They uh, put out that they activated linebacker Markel Lee and defensive tackle Kendall Vickers from the reserve COVID-19 list. So a couple guys on the defensive side of the ball are coming back. Designated linebacker Nicholas Morrow for return from the reserve injured list doesn't mean that he's going to be playing right away, but does mean that he has been activated and could be available for this upcoming game against the Bengals. And why not have all guys on deck, right? They also placed defensive tackle Darius Phylon on the reserve injured list. So his season's over. We talked about that on Tuesday's show. And then they released linebacker Will Compton. I really feel bad for Will Compton. He gets released, then he gets re-signed, then he gets released again. And he knows the name of the game. He knows what it's about. And he uh, actually put out a video talking about a couple guys were coming back from the COVID list. So he knew that his time was going to be uh, over, but he was ready to go on a playoff run just in case it wasn't. So uh, Will Compton, again, released by the Silver and Black. Also, they signed defensive lineman Isaiah Bugs tight end Daniel Helm, and linebacker Justin Marsh-Lillard to the practice squad, and then released wide receiver Javon Wims and linebacker Asmar Bilal from the practice squad. So yeah, did you get all that? That was the roster moves that the Raiders made on Tuesday as they prepare for Saturday's playoff game. Also on Tuesday, the first of three injury reports were released, and these are just walkthroughs. And look, there's not going to be a whole lot of practice going on this week at all. And no matter how long the Raiders play in the postseason, there's not going to be a whole lot of practice. At this point, a lot of guys are just trying to heal up. They're trying to get their bodies back in shape and try to get as prepared as possible for the upcoming games. And so there's not going to be a whole lot of activities. These are really just glorified walkthroughs, and this is what it was on Tuesday. But uh, guys that did not participate, only two. Defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins has been dealing with a back and knee injury. And then, of course, Darius Phylon with the knee injury and who's out for the season. So those are the only two guys that didn't participate. Again, just walkthroughs. Darius Phylon, he's done for the season. He's on injured reserve, so he's not going to participate in anything else the rest of the year. Guys that were limited in practice, cornerback Casey Hayward has got an ankle injury. Uh, running back Josh Jacobs dealing with a rib injury. Trayvon Merrick, the safety, dealing with the shoulder injury. And then tight end Darren Waller, who's still dealing with the knee injury. So those were the limited guys in Tuesday's practice. And the guys that were full participants, linebacker Divine Diablo with the shoulder and the wrist injury. Andre James, the center, dealing with the foot injury. Also, Foster Moreau, the tight end, abdomen and ankle injury. Linebacker Denzel Perriman with the wrist injury. Hunter Renfro, the wide receiver, dealing with a hip injury. I know that sounds like a lot of players, a laundry list of guys, but for the most part, everybody was a full participant, so everyone should be good to go for Saturday's game. Now, again, we'll get an update again today. We'll get one on Thursday, and then we'll get our final one uh, about 90 minutes before game kicks off, 1.30 on Saturday. 
The Raiders also made multiple players available to the media on Tuesday, including quarterback Derek Carr, defensive tackle Quentin Jefferson, and running back Jalen Richard. And I just wanted to go ahead and play a couple sound bites from Jalen Richard. We talked about him on Tuesday's show, talked about guys that are kind of flying underneath the radar and uh, contributing. And Jalen Richard is definitely contributing, had a big run, picked up a first down in, in the game on Sunday that nobody thought he was going to pick up. Third and 23, he got 24 yards. But he did get a chance to talk to the media on Tuesday, so I got a couple sound bites. And the first one, was just what he's seen from this organization. He was around the last time the Raiders went to the playoffs back in 2016. So how has he seen this team grow or this organization really help grow this team to make them a playoff team? Uh, we just did a good job of bringing in the right guys. I, I would say these over these years, bringing in um, the right formula of uh, guys that on the field and off the field in the locker room because I think that's where the magic really happens when you talk about true teams that can fight through any adversity, uh, win in any situation, and always believe they got a shot. Uh, he brought in a lot of high – this organization brought in a lot of high-character guys, guys that believe, guys that work hard, professionals, uh, with a good mixture of young talent, young talented guys um, that, you know, will listen to the older guys that uh, want to learn and want to get better and um, don't believe they have it all figured out already when they get here to the league. So uh, that's really where it's at because uh, the coaches can call all the plays. Uh, you can scheme up all this and that, but uh, the players still have to go out there and we have to execute. So uh, the biggest difference in these last three years is just uh, the talent and the the formula of players that they put together. So there's Jalen Richard talking about the organization, getting the right guys, guys that love football, want to work hard, guys that are high character, all the stuff that you hear from GM Mike Mayock, Jalen Richard just mentioned that. How about what is it like for him? He was asked about what it's like for Derek Carr to be back in the playoffs, but also how about him? What does it feel like to be back in the playoffs? Uh, I was Man, I was telling my team, some of my teammates all week, man, I, I, I wasn't ready to go back home to Mississippi. I wasn't ready to go back uh, and then in three weeks from now watching the Super Bowl, but I start back training and stuff. I wasn't ready for that. I was not ready to go back home. I did too much work in the offseason for the season to just end like that. I wanted to play more football. I'm pretty sure all my teammates worked their tails off and wanted to play some more football. Like, this is the fun part. Like, the offseason, it's, 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 it's fun, but – I play football for a living, and this is what I love to do. And when I'm not doing this, it, it gets kind of boring. So uh, it, it means the world to me that we still have a chance to reach our goal, which is winning the Super Bowl. You know, uh, making the playoffs is just one of the goals, but the main goal is winning the Super Bowl, and, and that's what we have our eyes on. So I'm just excited that uh, our biggest goal that we planned for, that we talked about for, that we put all the work in up until this point, that we still have – the ability to obtain that. So Jalen Richard just was not ready to go home, was ready to continue to play football, and that's exactly what they're getting the opportunity to do. First game up is Saturday against the Cincinnati Bengals. So, uh, of course, he had to be asked, and this is the final soundbite I want you to hear from Jalen Richard. He had to be asked about the third and 23. What was he thinking when that play was called, and did he even think that he picked up the first down right away? Because remember, it had to be reviewed for it to be called on the first down. But uh, what was his thoughts when he heard the third and 23 draw play? Uh, when DC called it, I hadn't ran a, a draw, I think, in like two years. So I was, I had to ask DC again. I was like, you sure you called that? And uh, he said, yeah, 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 we're going to run it. So I, I looked and saw how far it was. I was like, dang, that is kind of far. Um, but I was like, you know, we'll see. You know, I never count myself out. I just, you know, go out there and play. I'm just going to, you know, take what the defense gives me. So 
Uh, I saw that we had an opportunity down the middle. I knew that they had spread out. Uh, the linebackers had moved uh, kind of out of the box. And um, Andre was able to get a, a good, clean release up into the safe the safety. And um, I was just running, man. I was just like, man, I got to get the most out of all the yardage. You know, I just try to maximize every opportunity. So that's what I was thinking. Um, I knew I was getting close once I got past Andre. I was like, okay, I got a shot. And um, when I started getting guys on me, I just, you know, wanted to keep my feet moving and driving and hope that I had got, you know, closer near it. Um, I kind of like when they when I got hit a turn, I kind of saw the green marker when I was falling. So that what kind of gave me a little idea that I thought I had it. So that's what kind of I got up and, you know, pointed down the field like I had it. Uh, and then, um, you know, the TV copy, they came up and was, oh, he didn't get it. It was one yard. Then, you know, we went to the review. And um, I was happy I was able to get that for my team um, and get us a first down. You know, I, I come in on third down. I'm the third down back. And, you know, that's just my job, like come in and whether it's pass block or if they give it to me, you know, move the chains. So uh, I was happy I could do that for my team. Again, I still can't believe that he was able to pick up 24 yards on third and 23 on a draw play, but he was able to make that happen, you know, and it's funny because Derek Carr made that call. He audibled in that call earlier in the season on third and seven, and the Raiders picked up like three or four yards, and he's like, hey, I know it works. It's worked before, and uh, we just didn't get it that time, but if it works, then everyone praises him. So he's not wrong because all of a sudden now we're talking about how great of a call it was, how genius it was to call that play on third and 23 when we all know if it didn't work, we'd be roasting him right now for calling that. How can they call that play I can't believe it but that's how it shakes out in the NFL right so my final little nugget I have for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast kind of news and notes of the day the 2022 opponents were revealed for the Raiders now this is not the schedule this is not the dates it's just who the team's going to be playing in 2022 of course they got the Broncos Chiefs and Chargers all home and away you know that those are AFC West opponents they'll be facing the AFC South they have the Texans at home the Colts at home the Jaguars away and the Titans away NFC West they'll be playing they got the Cardinals at home 49ers at home, Rams away, and Seahawks away. And then they have other. They have the Patriots at home, the Saints away, and Pittsburgh away. So those are the teams that the Raiders will be playing in 2022. Now, we don't know the schedule. We don't know the dates. We don't know the order. We don't know any of that. But we do know who the opponents will be in 2022. Not that any of that matters, because right now, all that matters is Cincinnati on Saturday. But it's kind of cool to know the teams and the divisions that the Raiders will be facing in 2022 and kind of know what teams are going to be coming to Allegiant Stadium and what teams uh, the Raiders are going to have to go on the road to take on. So uh, that's the 2022 opponents. Obviously, later on this year, after the season's over, we'll find out the full meal deal, the schedule, primetime games, all that good stuff. That's always a fun show and always fun to kind of go up through the schedule. But right now, talking about playoff games is a lot of fun as well. Coming up in segment number two, we talked about Jalen Richard on yesterday's show. Going to talk about Josh Jacobs, his production down the stretch, the final four games of the season, what he's been able to do compared to what he did throughout the course of the season leading up to the final four games. We're going to do all that coming up in segment number two after I tell you about Built Bar. And of course, I've been telling you about Built Bar for a very long time. If you go to the website, you'll see a lot of really good deals right now. 50% off of Built Bar Bites. So if you want the little Built Bites, you can go get them right now. Again, they're 50% off on the website, Built.com. If you're looking for just the Built Bar or the Built Bar Puffs, they're available as well in a variety of great flavors. And of course, they are a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. If your New Year's resolution is to eat better, not have some late night snacks that are bad for you, well, the good thing is you can still have that late night snack, but it's good for you because it's a protein bar. It is a Built Bar. Uh, doesn't have very much sugar in it. Doesn't have very 
many calories in it. It's really good for you. Uh, lots of protein. So uh, check them out today. Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15. When you go to check out, you'll save 15% off your order just like that. And again, as I mentioned, the Built Bites are on the website right now for 50% off. So if you want those, go get them while they last. And if you want a Built Bar Puff or a Built Bar, get them at 15% off if you use the promo code LOCK15. That's at Built.com. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Talked about guys that are flying under the radar but still contributing when called upon. We did that on Tuesday. Now I want to talk about a guy who is expected to play a major role and has done that as of late. Matter of fact, has been one of the main reasons why the Raiders were able to go on this four-game winning streak and find themselves an opportunity to play on Saturday in the playoffs against the Cincinnati Bengals. And that's running back Josh Jacobs. And look, this guy did not start off the season very strong. I mean, he really didn't. He got half way through the season I thought man this is going to be a pretty bad year for Josh Jacobs and not a really good year when the Raiders have to make a decision if they want to pick up that fifth year option or not and I've been convinced that they're not going to pick up that fifth year option only because it's 10 million dollars and that's a lot of money for a guy who was really struggling to stay healthy stay on the field and he hadn't really picked up any hundred yard games until as of late you know, so I didn't really think that there was a chance. I think what he's done now, maybe they're going to think about it. Maybe they'll just decide, hey, you know, we're not going to pick up the fifth-year option, but we'll give you a contract extension. I'm not sure what they're going to do in the offseason, and honestly, that's for the offseason. That's not something for me to worry about. But just looking back at the season that Josh Jacobs has had and the way it shook out, I mean, he is really coming on strong at the time when it's needed the most right now. The Raiders needed to go on a four-game winning streak to get into the playoffs. They did that. Now they're going to go to Cincinnati, play in the cold, play in the snow. Uh, you know, it's on the road. It's late. They're going to need the run game. And so he's going to be asked to step up again. But if you go all the way back to even, say, Thanksgiving, that's when things really started to turn around for Josh Jacobs. Before that, matter of fact, before we even get to that, let me just give you his stat line. He played in 15 games in the regular season, 15 out of 17. Not too bad. 872 total yards. So the first two years in the league, he went over 1,000 yards. He gets 872 in his third year. Not bad because he still had nine touchdowns. It was on 217 attempts. That's four yards a carry. Plus, he added 54 catches for 348 yards. And 54 catches is a career high. And 348 yards is a career high as well. So goes over 1,000 yards from scrimmage and does it easily. Over 1,100 yards from scrimmage, as a matter of fact. So in 15 games, that's actually a really good season for Josh Jacobs. We're just used to him going over 1,000 yards on the ground. But to go over 1,100 yards from scrimmage is not bad. Now, again, like I said, he really got cooking around Thanksgiving. Against the Cowboys, he ran for 87 yards and a touchdown. Raiders won that game on Thanksgiving in walk-off fashion. He also added two catches for 25 yards. The next week, they lost to the Washington football team. He had 52 yards on the ground, 38 yards receiving. And he did that 38 yards on nine catches. So to me, that was like glorified runs. But he almost had 100 yards from scrimmage against the Washington football team. He had a touchdown, but they did lose that game. Then the debacle in Kansas City. The Chiefs game just was a disaster for everybody. Josh Jacobs included. He started the game off with a fumble on the very first play of the game, and that really kind of set the tone. He only had 24 yards rushing. He had five catches for 46 yards. But again, that was a bad game for everybody. And then... 
the streak starts. Then the four-game winning streak starts as they go to Cleveland. He gets 52 yards on the ground, and he contributes three catches for 42 yards. So again, almost 100 yards from scrimmage, and they get a W. That's the very first game, and that was a colder game. The weather wasn't great, and that helped open up the play-action pass as well for D.C. So even though the numbers weren't outstanding and over the top, you could still see he was contributing. Then the next week against the Broncos, that was back at Allegiant Stadium, 129 yards on the ground and a catch for negative five yards. But 129 yards on the ground, the Raiders get a W. That's two Ws in a row, and all of a sudden Josh Jacobs looks like, hey, this guy's cooking. He's starting to get things going. Then they travel to Indy to take on the Colts. He only has 63 yards, but to me, they were a very effective 63 yards. He also contributed 17 yards of receiving on four catches, uh, but he'd had a touchdown in that game, and the Raiders won. That was their third win in a row. And again, it's not always the big-time numbers, but it just knows their effective yards. And so that was a, a good game, I thought, for Josh Jacobs against the Colts. And then on Sunday against the Chargers, closed things out. 132 yards on the ground, a touchdown, plus he had two catches for 12 yards. So, I mean, really got cooking on that four-game winning streak. 52 yards, 129 yards, 63 yards, and 132 yards. On the ground in the final four games of the season, 376 total yards in four games and two touchdowns. In the first 11 games of the season, 496 yards. So basically, he only gained 120 more yards in seven more games earlier in the season. Now, again, there's a lot of reasons for that. One, Josh's health. Two, the offensive line. And three, need. The Raiders really needed him to step up these final four games of the season and really be what he likes to call himself as the closer. So uh, those are just looking at some of the numbers uh, throughout the course of the season for him. How about missed tackles? That's something that we see Josh Jacobs do a whole lot of, right? We've been used to seeing Josh get tons of yards after the first uh, missed tackle. Weeks 1 through 14, he played in 11 games. He forced 30 missed tackles. Weeks 15 through 18, four total games. He forced 27 missed tackles. So, again, look at, I mean, compare and contrast. 11 games, only 30 missed tackles he forced. Four games, 27. So, again, he's running with a purpose. He's running strong. He's running downhill. He's being elusive. He's way more explosive right now. And that could be a great thing for the Raiders moving forward, not just this week, but every week, depending on how long they play. Now, again, don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. You got to take it one week at a time. You got to win one before you can move on to week two. But as we all do, you know, the team can't look forward, but we could always look forward. And uh, if they do beat Cincinnati, then up next would be a road trip to take on the Tennessee Titans, who uh, have a bye week as they're the number one seed. And again, I look at Cincinnati as a team. I believe the Raiders can win. I look at Tennessee and I look at them and say, that's a game that the Raiders can win as well. And a lot of it's going to have to do with the play of the offensive line being able to open up holes and get Josh Jacobs cooking. You know, early in the season, the Raiders were winning because Derek Carr was throwing the ball all around the yard and they were scoring 30 points and he was throwing for 300 plus yards and all that good stuff. Now they're they're grinding wins out. They're winning uh, how a lot of people want to say is ugly, which I don't call it ugly. I just call it grinding out a win. And again, the ground game is a major reason. And the offensive line, especially Andre James, is getting a lot better. Now, they need to work as a cohesive unit. Leatherwood needs to step his game up. Simpson needs to step his game up. Parker obviously needs to step his game up. But Andre James is playing some really good ball at that center position right now. And I think that, you know, he's going to continue to grow. You just hope that the rest of the offensive line continues to grow with them. But uh, as they grow... The guy in the backfield grows, and that's Josh Jacobs. And he doesn't have his running mate in Kenyon Drake right now. He's got Peyton Barber that he can lean on a little bit, and Jalen Richard, who we talked about on Tuesday, and also you heard from him uh, on today's show. He had not met with the media on Tuesday, but it's really the Josh Jacobs show, and it's nice to see him as healthy as possible. I know the rib injury is serious, but – 
I mean, his legs look fine, right? He looks super explosive, and it's great to see him with that kind of explosiveness in his ability and his legs right now uh, when they need it the most at the end of the season and in the playoffs. So uh, just want to give him a big shout-out and, and really the way he's helped put the team on his back and the leadership that he's providing not only on the field but off the field and on the sideline and when he's talking to the coaches, when he's talking to the O-line, when he goes and starts talking to Derek Carr. And, I mean, telling you, anytime I hear him in a media session like we did following the game on Sunday, you just really become a believer and realize how important this guy really is to the team and so uh, I circle all the way back to the Raiders have a tough decision to make this offseason you know are they going to pick up his fifth year option I had multiple people hit me up say hey Q this dude's been coming on do you think they pick up his fifth year option and I would normally say yeah but that 10 million dollars is just a lot of money so I'm not too sure exactly how they're going to go about it I know they're not going to just let him walk and I mean they don't have to pick up the fifth year option they could just let him go ahead and play out the final year of his deal and then uh, worry about it after that but it almost feels like he's a guy that they got to keep around they got to find a way to keep around and I know it's a business so sometimes they got to make tough decisions but it feels like on the strength of what he's been able to do down the stretch and how he's helped the Raiders get to the postseason I know it's not just him there's a lot of different contributors including the defense but man he has done some real yeoman's work as far as I'm concerned so big shout out to Josh Jacobs uh, and he's going to be needed on Saturday against the Cincinnati Bengals it's going to be cold but uh, that just plays right into the hands of the run game and also the offensive line they're going to want to block down Downhill. They're not going to want to pass block. They're going to want to block downhill and open up holes for Jacobs to run through. So uh, expect to see a healthy dose of Jacobs, a healthy dose of number 28 on Saturday against Cincinnati. So that's all I got for you for segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number three, what do you have for me? Calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Before I get to that, though, I want to tell you about an app that you need to have. Anyone who drives a car and pumps gas needs to have this app, and it's GetUpside. All listeners of the Locked On Raiders podcast are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every single time they fill up. All you got to do is download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now, and Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN. You'll get a bonus $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. That's silly. Get cash back using GetUpside. Again, download the app for free and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to $0.50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. People who drive a lot, well, they make a lot. They're making up to two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's absolutely no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account, and you can cash out anytime you want to your bank account, PayPal, or e-gift card. Just download the free GetUpside app and use that promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to $0.50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. That's promo code TOUCHDOWN. GetUpside is the app. I also want to tell you about betonline.ag. They're your number one spot for all sports action all season long. Of course, college football just got wrapped up, but college basketball's around, NBA's going on, NFL playoffs are right around the corner, NHL, boxing, UFC, you name it, they got it. All you got to do is head to the website on your laptop or your mobile device, sign up today, and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you got to do is use the promo code Locked On. It's all one word, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus. You put $1,000 into your account, you'll get $500 on top of that just for saying thank you. Thank you for signing up with betonline.ag, but you got to remember to use the promo code Locked On. Betonline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, and it's where the game starts. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team 
every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Up first, we got Coach JV in Connecticut. And I'll tell you this before we even get into some calls. Man, we got a lot of new booties. I know I don't give the new booty salute all the time anymore, but man, got a lot of new cats calling the podcast, and I really do appreciate that. So let's go ahead and start things off with Coach JV calling from Connecticut. He's calling to talk about a couple decisions that were made in the game Sunday night by head coach Brandon Staley of the Chargers. Here he is, Coach JV in Connecticut. Thank you. This is uh, Coach JV in Connecticut. Uh, just real happy about Raiders. Uh, Raider Nation, we, we're there, we're back, and it's just nice to be able to get in and put our stamp on the playoffs. And just really excited for the job that you do, Q, and all. Um, I have a question and just curious uh, what your thoughts are. I know everybody's been questioning Coach Staley's uh, decision to call the timeout, but there was another decision I was wondering uh, what you thought about. That was when the score was 29-14 to 14 and they went ahead and scored their um, the, uh, Chargers scored their first touchdown and then they made the decision to go ahead and go for two and I thought, you know, I, I know they made the, the two-pointer but before that I'm thinking if you miss this, you're going to go and you're going to be down nine points uh, with what four minutes left to spare. Um they're a highly questionable. I just think uh, the decision itself was very risky. I think these guys are taking advantage of Justin Herbert's uh, success he's had in the league, but reality is you're putting your team in quite a bind. Now, long story short, the two was made, and I get it, but um, I don't know about that. I think it's just a lot of questionable calls. Glad to see the Raiders prevail. Uh, overall, uh, it was a good showing. Just really excited about this weekend in Cincinnati. Just scored some tickets myself, and Headed to Cincinnati. So, anyway, I'm out. Go Raider Nation. There he goes, my guy, Coach JV in Connecticut. Good call, my man. I agree, man. The call to go for two, it worked out for the Chargers, like you mentioned, but I thought that they went for it way too early. Matter of fact, we were in the press box. There's about four of us sitting near each other, and we all looked at each other like, isn't this a little early to go for it? Now, again, it worked out to their credit, so what do we know? It's the reason why we're sitting in the press box and not coaching on the sideline, right? But... I thought it was too early, just like you did. And now I'll say this. When you're talking about going for two, I didn't like when the Raiders went for two. I thought that they were chasing points when they were winning. There was no reason to chase points when you're winning. I understand the concept that they were trying to get up by two touchdowns. I totally get it. But, man, I had no problem with them just kicking the extra point and being good. And if they had done that, well, the game's a little bit different, and the Chargers, all of a sudden, they have to get two two-point conversions instead of having to get one. But, I mean, again, they came out with the victory, and analytics are always going to play a role now in the league, and sometimes you make the right decision, sometimes you don't. So, again, two times that I thought bad decisions were made going for two. It worked out for the Chargers and didn't work out for the Raiders. So thank you so much for that call. I do appreciate you. Next up is a text from Raider Skeets, like Skeets, 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 Skeets. Say, what's going on, Q? Man, watching that game Sunday night, I thought we were going to win at least six different times. That was one of the biggest emotional roller coasters ever. My girlfriend was watching with me, and she could not believe what she was seeing. We're just so happy that they made it. We're both teared up, especially after everything this team's been through this season. It's not even about football. It's about those men and what they went through. To be able to win in the face of adversity is truly emotional. We're especially happy for Carr. One question for you is, why won't they get Deshaun Jackson the ball more? I feel like he hasn't been part of the game plan since the Dallas game. Just want to hear your thoughts on that. We're locked in and ready for Cincinnati. Just win, baby. That's from Raider Skeets. As far as the emotional roller coaster, no doubt about it. Again, even in the press box, I can't cheer in the press box, can't show emotion in the press box. If you had an x-ray machine and you could look inside my chest, you'd see my heart pounding. Look like one of them cartoon hearts where it's like, boom, 
boom, boom, and just pounding outside of the chest and everything, and you could see the imprint of the heart. That's how it felt. It felt like one of those adrenaline rushes for real, and that's exactly what that game was. Uh, but at least the Raiders came out on the winning side of it, and it was a hell of a celebration inside of Legion Stadium. As far as Deshaun Jackson goes, I'll say this. I don't think he knows the playbook very well, and this is just my gut feeling. I don't. This is not inside information or anything, so I want to go ahead and put that little uh, caveat out there. I don't think he knows the playbook very well. From what I've noticed throughout the course of games, and you can as well, when he's in the game and a lot of times he's lined up on the line of scrimmage, you'll see him check with Derek Carr, and Derek Carr always has to either point him in the right direction or something. I just don't think he does a very good job of learning the playbook, and I know that was one of the biggest problems for him when he was a member of the Rams, and I do know that for a fact. I mean, I'm not saying that that is what's been said to me with the Raiders, but I know that that has been said when he was with the Rams. So I'm thinking that he's probably got some of those same issues. And as we all know, Derek Carr is not one of those guys who's going to throw you the rock if he doesn't trust you. I don't think that that's a good philosophy. I mean, at some point, a quarterback's got to just throw the ball and let it rip, right? I think that Deshaun Jackson could do a good job and and help out, stretch the field with his speed. He is a 14-year vet, but Carr is not the guy who's just going to throw it to you blindly. And he said that before. He's going to throw it when he trusts you, and I don't think he trusts Deshaun Jackson. That's just, again, my gut feeling. But thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate it. Up next, got a call from Ringside Raider. He's calling to talk about underrated players as we talked about them on Tuesday's shows and has somebody's name that he wants to point out, someone that is on his radar. Here he is, Ringside Raider. Hey, Hugh, Ringside Raider here. I got a question for you. I just heard your Tuesday show about underrated uh, players on the roster. Uh, What about Rich Versace, man? You, You have said over and over again, that he is not the full-time solution to our coaching search. You think we need another person. Well, what happens if he goes into Cincinnati on Saturday afternoon and beats the Cincinnati Bengals? He'll be 8-5, and five, and he got a playoff victory. Uh, the last coach, I believe, to get a playoff victory was Bill Callahan. Don't you think Rich Passaccia deserves the full-time job if the Raiders go into Cincinnati, Ohio, 28 degrees, snow, cold, wind, and uh, pull off the victory. Um, I, I think he firmly deserves uh, the job if he pulls that off. Um, I know 8-5, and five, counting the playoff win, is not spectacular, but uh, do you think Jim Harbaugh or any of the other names that have been mentioned for the possible Raiders job is going to be able to come in and do better. I mean, uh, uh, talking about Harbaugh here, uh, his brother John, has uh, he made two stupid decisions towards the end of games that cost his team uh, possible wins. The game against Pittsburgh where he went for two points and failed, and the game against Green Bay where he went for two points and failed. When you have the best kicker in the league, you could have tied both of those games. The Ravens might be in the playoffs now had he done that. I think Rich Versace and his coaching staff has earned the right to possibly retain their positions if we get a win on Saturday. Your thoughts? There he is, ringside Raider. Thank you so much for the call. I appreciate you, my man. And look, I've given Coach Versace so much praise. I think a lot of people get it twisted and and take my words and and think that I mean something else by I, I want to make it perfectly clear I have given coach Basaccia so much props 
I've said that, hey, he should eat for free in Vegas. The job that he's done has been incredible. He was given a, ch- a chance to do something, and it was like the impossible chance. It was almost like giving a fake job. Like, here you go. You want the job? Go ahead. It's yours. Go ahead. Good luck, sucker. And then he ran with it and did a hell of a job, and he's guided the Raiders to the playoffs. I've said that a million times. I've also said, and this is just my gut feeling, that the Raiders are probably going to go and look for a big name, some home run hire in the offseason. But that could all change. Depending on what they do this, this postseason, who knows? That could all change. And another thing is, I haven't talked about the next coach because the, it's not about the next coach. It's about the next game. I even did a whole show saying it's not about the next guy. It's about the next game. That's when all the Harbaugh rumors came out. I didn't start talking about Harbaugh. I didn't bring up any of these names because none of those matter. The only thing that matters is what they're doing right now and what they're lined up to do on Saturday. Out of respect for Coach Basaccia, out of respect for those guys in the locker room, out of respect for the Raiders organization, Mark Davis and everyone in the front office, I haven't talked about anything postseason or offseason, I mean, excuse me. I haven't talked about any of that. And look, it could be a whole complete overhaul for all I know, but I haven't talked about that because they're still playing games and they've earned that right. So, yeah, because I said a long time ago that I think that the Raiders are going to probably go in another direction in the offseason, that's that's where I left it at. I left it alone. They have earned the right to not talk about that right now. I love the fact that you know, Black Monday came and went, and we're not talking about the Raiders coaching job. I love the fact that we're not talking about free agency. We're not talking about the draft. We're not talking about who the next GM is. We're not talking about any of that kind of stuff because it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is what they're doing right now. I've said that on the radio. People have called in. Q, who do you think's the next? It doesn't matter. I don't care. That conversation is not my conversation. So when you say uh, I'm bringing up Harbaugh or I'm bringing up this person or I'm bringing up that person, that's all false. I'm not doing any of that. I mean, you can go back and look. I actually did a show titled, The Raiders Aren't Worried About the Next Guy, They're Worried About the Next Game. I mean, I did a show about it just last week when all those hardball rumors came out. I don't care right now. Once the season's over, we could talk about who's going to be the next coach or if Basachi is going to be the next coach. I do believe he's going to get an interview regardless, and I think he's earned that. And I think that Gus Bradley's going to get an interview. I think a lot of folks on that current staff are going to get a lot of conversations about sticking around, including Mike Mayock. But again, that's for the offseason. So none of that matters. Rich Passaccia is doing a damn good job. Hell, he might be up for coach of the year. You never know. He's doing a damn good job with a tough task, one that was looked like as an impossible job. He's done it. So no disrespect to you or anyone else who wants to talk about the next head coach. I don't care. None of that matters. The Raiders win on Sunday guess, or Saturday. Guess what? Won't be talking about it then either. I'll be talking about Tennessee. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like That is all that matters. It's a great thing to not have to talk about the next head coach. It's a great thing to be able to talk about a playoff game. I haven't got to do that ever here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. I want to embrace this moment as long as I can and let this thing keep on rolling. There's plenty of time to talk about potential head coaches and all that good stuff. So uh, everything that you said and the whole case that you made for Rich Basaccia, yes, you're right. You're absolutely 100% right. So that's all I really got. That's it. And and that's really, honestly, the last conversation I want to have 
about the potential next guy until the season's completely over. And don't get it twisted. It's not just you. So I'm not, you know, directing all that just to you. I'm letting it be known to anyone who's talking about, uh, you know, the next head coach and all the speculation that's out there right now. And there's plenty of it. Please believe every network wants to talk about this, that, and the other. Even Adam Schefter the other day, matter of fact, uh, matter of fact, I think it was Tuesday, uh, tweeted out the best jobs and put the Raiders head coaching job at, at as the best job. And I was like, the job's not even open. It's not even open right now, so why are you talking about that? And then he he went back and said something about uh, potentially the best job if it does become available. I mean, everyone is is basically writing off Basaccia. I said it early in the in, in the season when he took over that he most likely was just going to be the interim guy. <laughs> As I continue to talk about it, I think there'll be a, a long search. You know, I think that they'll exhaust every avenue, and if they feel like that's the best direction for them to go long term is is Basaccia or even run it back for one more year, then that's what they'll do. And I'll be fine with that. Whatever they do, I'm good with. I just gave you early in the season what my gut feeling was. Now, I promise that's it. <laughs> I do. I, and I appreciate the call, my man. Uh, let's close things out with a text from Raider Black. What's up, Q? This is Raider Black. Still coming down from Sunday night's game. And the one thing I took away from the game is that cover three may not be the answer in the fourth quarter. We could not get off the field in the fourth quarter. I think dialing up a few more blitzes and man coverage will show different looks than Cincinnati's prepping for. Let's not forget, this is our second straight, second-year quarterback we are facing. A veteran defensive coordinator should be able to mix it up and game plan him. Let's get five in a row. Job not done. That's from Raider Black. Thank you for the text, my man. And, yeah, you know, some of that cover three issues that they were having was because it was only a three-man front that they were rushing the quarterback and they were giving Justin Herbert all kind of time. They weren't able to get to him. Uh, The other time was because they were playing way too soft. Other times they started playing prevent. Uh, All those I hate. Uh, I just – I don't know – what they got to do. They're trying to, you know, eliminate big plays, but at the same time, they're setting themselves up underneath, and, well, we all saw what happened. So I'm with you. It's not necessarily cover three that I don't like. I just don't think that you could play a soft cover three as they were playing, if that makes sense. I think you got to play a little bit closer uh, to the guy, to the wide receiver. Don't let him just have a free release. you got to at least, you know, make it a little difficult on him. So if they got to switch it up to cover two, then fine. If they're going to go man, then you got to do what you got to do. you got to make sure that you get that good jam at the line of scrimmage because a guy like Jamar Chase will burn just about anybody. So I don't think man-to-man is a great coverage for this game coming up. Uh, maybe cover two, but at the same time, if you're playing cover two, you got to make sure that you get that jam and you're able to funnel the wide receiver into all the mess, which is, you know, in the middle of the field. Because if you don't, a guy, again, like Jamar Chase will get loose. And if he gets loose and you're out on the boundaries and, and you're not playing uh, the coverage that you're supposed to be playing, that's another recipe for the Raiders to get burned. So uh, I think you'll see a heavy dose of cover three in this game because those wide receivers are pretty dynamic for the Bengals. But we'll see how it all shakes out, man. We'll see exactly how it all shakes out. Got a couple more days to talk about it, and then we'll have the game on Saturday, and it should be a lot of fun. The Raiders playing in a playoff game for the first time since 2016. So that's all I got for you for today's show. Coming up tomorrow, it'll be Thursday. You know what that means? Crossover Thursday. We'll be talking Raiders. We'll be talking Bengals. We'll be talking the playoffs, baby! Looking forward to that. That'll come up on Crossover Thursday. Friday, we'll do keys to the game. Of course, news and notes, and we'll have calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. So, Raider Nation, uh, enjoy the high of the win on Sunday, but start to turn your attention to the game on Saturday against Cincinnati. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, as always, just win, baby.